Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, part of the Talent 409 Leadership Academy Network. I am your host, Colin Cernelia, and thank you so much for joining us today. Please head over to talent409.com to learn more about how we can help your team or organization with their leadership and culture development. This podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you favorite podcast plus don't forget you can now play this podcast on any amazon enabled device just ask alexa play the dynamic leaders podcast getting dynamic leaders with colin treniglia from apple podcasts before this episode begins please consider taking a minute and leave a rating and review doing this really does help us grow the show and you can get featured for your review on a future episode Okay, and we are on to episode 128 of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast, the final podcast episode of the first pod series. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you've listened to all the episodes today, wow is all I can really say to you, but hopefully you will have an opportunity to get here at some point and listen to this episode with my guest, Jessica Cook. Jess is a former college softball player for John Carroll University. She now works in inside sales for the Pittsburgh Pirates, is a public speaker, and is the author of the number one new release book on Amazon, Own It, Navigating the College Experience to a Successful Career and Life. In this episode, Jess and I talk about how being a pitcher in softball helps her learn leadership qualities and responsibilities why it's important to have positive body language, how having short-term memory can help you bounce back from a bad experience or adversity, how she came up with the idea for writing her book and what her process was for writing it, how she got her book to number one on the new releases category of Amazon, and how her role in sales has helped develop stronger relationship building skills. I particularly love that last point, In our conversation, we talk a lot about sales, some of the negative connotations associated with sales, but I think Jess and I both do a good job of convincing each other and hopefully convincing you, the listening audience, that if you do sales right and if you have a relationship building component to your sales process, it can be both enjoyable for you and something that your clients and customers will enjoy as well. So definitely take a listen to that part of the conversation and get ready to hear a lot of incredible stories from Jess. So let's not waste any more time and let's dive right in and discover our talent altitude. Here is my conversation with Jessica Cook. to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Today, my guest with me is Jessica Cook. Jessica, thank you so much for joining the show. Hey, Colin. Thanks so much for having me on. I've been looking forward to it. I'm so glad you're looking forward to this because I'm really looking forward to it too. I especially love to talk to former student athletes that were softball players because I played baseball. So there's a lot of similarities and it aligns a little bit more with my experience and background. But 
I don't want to ruin the surprise for everybody about who you are. So I first want to give you an opportunity to tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself. So please tell us, who are you? Yeah, so um, like Colin said, my name is Jessica Cook. I'm originally from the Pittsburgh area. I went to school at John Carroll University in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, where I ended up playing softball for four years. I was a pitcher uh, on the team. I was a pitcher and a pinch runner, and that was just about all I did. Um, but it was a great experience, and I value my student-athlete experience um, so much. While I was at John Carroll, I majored in uh, sports studies, which is just a fancy term for sports management, and then also business and entrepreneurship as well. So that really gave me the ability to combine all my passions into one. Uh, so right now, I'm currently an inside sales rep for the Pittsburgh Pirates, but I also have some other uh, things I do with student-athletes. I wrote a book this past year. It's called Own It, Navigating the College Athlete Experience to a Successful Career in Life. Um, so yeah, I've just been working on things with that. I've been busy uh, working from home and adjusting, but that's pretty <laughs> much about me. So much to unpack there. So let's start simply with the softball journey. And I want to learn a little bit more about how that all started, where that passion came from to play the game of softball all the way through college. Yeah, definitely. So whenever I was growing up, I was super active. I did a lot of different sports, like gymnastics, swimming, softball. Uh, but the one where I started to, I guess, what they call it now is like specializing in sports and playing for a travel team. The one I took most seriously, the one that I was best at was uh, softball. So starting from, I believe, fourth grade, uh, that's when I started playing fast pitch softball. And I got on my first travel team and really just kind of stuck with it ever since. It was something like I enjoyed practicing softball, whereas with swimming and gymnastics, I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, so that was kind of like a no-brainer with like softball is really important to me and something I really want to stick with. And then throughout high school, you know, taking it to the next level, because I'm not sure about in all parts of the country, but in Pennsylvania's um, high school, softball is a, a pretty big deal. Just, you know, sticking out through that, playing all four years and then going through the recruiting process, you know, my junior, senior year of high school and making the decision, you know, that I did want to continue on because it was such a big part of my life. And it's something I couldn't imagine myself being without. So I made my decision, went through the recruiting process, decided to continue on. And eventually the stars just kind of aligned and I took I took it to John Carroll. So cool. And I think I heard you mention, and I'm pretty sure I read too, that you were a pitcher, at least at the collegiate level. Was that one of your positions always as you were growing up? I mean, being a pitcher is definitely one of the more, I think, specialized positions, if you will. So just curious, like where you usually played on the field or if it was always being a pitcher? Yeah, that's a great question. So I did start pitching when I was in fourth grade, but I'm sure with your experience too, that young, they don't really, or there's like inning requirements or they don't really sure. let you pitch whole games or things like that. Right. So yeah, always the other positions I always played were a third base and outfield. Um, I came into a unique situation in high school. So my freshman and sophomore year, all I did was pitch and then my junior and senior year, we had our team was faced with injuries and the pitchers on our team, it was me and another girl. And I had um, some experience playing the other positions where she was primarily a pitcher and a first baseman. So I came into a unique situation where I was pitching, also playing third base. I think I even played outfield a couple of times too. But then once I got into college, um, I was strictly there for pitching. So as a pitcher, you have 
kind of a unique vantage point. Uh, you are <laughs> a little bit more in control of the game than pretty much anyone else on the field, you know, with, with your pitching and some of the things that you can do to control pace and different aspects of the game that may be a little bit more subtle to some people. But uh, as a pitcher and as it relates to leadership, just because I know that's something that's important to you and this is a leadership podcast, what did you say if you had to like break it down is your responsibility as a pitcher on the field like how are you supposed to lead besides the obvious caveat of throwing pitches and getting strikeouts <laughs> right right so i think i think that's an interesting question because if you study baseball and softball and you're looking at the infield they always say the shortstop is the captain of the infield right. kind of thing mm-hmm. a lot of people look to the shortstop for different plays or um, a lot of times the shortstop's one of the most athletic people on the field but i think being a pitcher, you're in an interesting spot. I feel like you're almost at the same level as the shortstop or, you know, depending on how your team dynamic is above or just in line or right below. But I think as a pitcher, you're really setting the tone for the team. So let's say you give up a walk and your team sees like your facial expression. If you look like down, well, then that, that can, you know, go to them. They think you're not confident in yourself and in your pitches. So I think the important thing is, is that people are looking to you. The fans are looking at you, your teammates, your coaches, the people, uh, your teammates on the bench are looking at you too. And you kind of set the tone for, okay, are my teammates confident in me? Okay. Do I, do I, am I portraying confidence in them too? So I think your body language is really the big thing that makes you a leader um, on the field, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think, that's another reason why people look to pitchers to uh, be leaders. But I think it also goes with your catcher as well. If they see, you know, you're not confident in their calls and their confidence and you goes down and other people on the field see that too. So it's like a chain reaction. So I think um, it does start uh, with the pitcher for sure. Yeah. And how interesting is that to think about just like, how singular you are on the mound when you think about you have infielders, they're all surrounding each other. You have outfielders surrounding each other. Even the catcher has an umpire and a batter in that vicinity with them. But a pitcher, you're just literally all alone there on the mound with (laughs) pretty much all eyes on you every single pitch because you do control the game in so many aspects. So I think that's really cool that you talked about setting the tone and how important your body language to make sure that it's positive because so many people, fans, players, coaches are always eyes on you. (laughs) And I I imagine given that it's got to be a lot of pressure and I'd love to learn a little bit about maybe how you learn to deal with pressure situations throughout your career, how you bounce back from maybe a bad start or two here and there. Yeah, definitely. And it is, it is tough. And that's probably something to be honest with you, Colin, that I've gone, you know, back and forth with playing softball, like, you know, riding on the highs or being, you know, super low and things aren't going well. But I think my junior and senior year of college, I really like developed the right mindset mm-hmm. um, for that. So I think the pressure is something that never really got to me. I think I perform better under high pressure situations or like, I'm not saying like necessarily like rising to the occasion, but in a sense, yes, I always like wanted pressure. Like I want, like, I always want to feel like I have to do something. So that was something that I was able to deal with from, I think when you're younger and you're playing sports, you don't necessarily recognize the pressure as much just because 
uh, like I'm just thinking back to younger days, like when I'm like 10 year, or 12 years old playing softball, like I think your parents recognize the pressure, but when you're that young, like you necessarily don't. So I think playing sports kind of conditions you to deal with the pressure when you, you do take it to the next level or to a higher stage. Or not. I'm, I apologize, Colin. What was the other part of the question? Just bouncing back from adversity like maybe a bad start here and there like how to how to get back because it's again it's kind of like that quarterback mentality right like how how do you just forget something that maybe was a really bad experience when it's really just you and, and nobody else around you yeah so one thing my college coach uh nicole Latham really harped on was um short-term memory um and that i think with a pitcher like we talked about in the previous question uh, you really do have to have that short-term memory so that you're not portraying, you know, negative vibes to the rest of your team. Mm-hmm. Um, but one way I do that is I I read something that was um, saying, like, if you um, – I don't know what this is actually called, but it was like if you want to do something, you should say, like, in your head, like, if you're like, throw a strike. Or you should say that instead of don't walk this next person. So instead of uh, saying like things like don't know anything negative when I was playing, especially my junior and senior year of college, I would make sure to like take those out, those thoughts out of my head. And it did make a big difference. And you have more confidence and you look more confident. um, And that helps you overcome challenges in case you do walk somebody. You're more prepared to get the next one. And that's something I kind of adopted. Very cool. Now we are going to dive into your book in a little bit more because you're the expert on this. But before we get into it, I'd love to learn a little bit more about your personal experience and why you decided when you got to college that you wanted to study business and why you wanted to study sports management. Was there a particular reason behind it? Like, did, did you, um, without realizing it at the time, did you have the tools and the resources that you talk about in your book to help you make those decisions and get you on a path that you wanted to, to get started? Yeah, so going to back to the first part of that question, so sport management, going into college, I had no clue what I wanted uh, to major in. <laughs> um, I think I might have entered like pre-med, but I'm not, I'm not even sure. So yeah, I wanted to call it, or when I was a senior in high school, actually, I was still looking at all my options as schools. And some schools had different things I was interested in, but one thing that helped me to decide on John Carroll was during my senior year of high school, they rolled out their sports studies program. It was this new program, sports and business, and reading the descriptions of the different tracks you could do uh, really just kind of aligned with my passions and sounded like me. I had been an athlete my whole life. Um, I always had good experiences with um, my coaches, athletic directors, trainers, um, and this gave me like a wide variety of options to go in sport, which I really enjoyed. So that's ultimately why I decided to do um, the sport management. And then at my school, there's at John Carroll, there was different recommendations of things to pair it with. And I always did have like a passion for creativity, business, and different things along those lines. So the fact that I was able to put them all together and kind of make it what I wanted was really cool. Um, but what I did realize, talk, like you're saying, talking about the resources, when I did go into college and was a freshman, I didn't have a great first year. Like I honestly didn't like it. I wasn't sure I was going to continue playing softball. And when I came back for my sophomore year, I really stepped outside of my comfort zone and made a lot of changes that were very transformative. And I loved it. I love softball. I love college. And you could see those in my, those reflect in my grades and my play on the field and a bunch of other different things. But um, when it, you know, came time to my senior year, I 
was doing this one talk. It was called a grad at grad um, series. So all these seniors uh, were talking to all these students about things they wish they would have known. And that's kind of where I realized, like, for athletes, this would be a cool thing. And that's what led to my book. Okay. Good segue. Let's talk about the book in a little bit more detail. I'm always so curious as to not just like origin stories, like you just told us about it in a little bit reasoning as to why you felt it was important to write a book about that. But I'd also just love to learn about your process. Like what goes into actually writing a book? There are a number of different ways to do it these days. And I'm sure yours is different than Will, who we we both know and has a very successful book out as well. I'm sure his process was a little bit different. So I would just love to learn a little bit about what are some of the things that you had to do in order to make that dream of writing that book in actual reality? Yeah, that's a great question. So if anyone who knows me knew me growing up, I hated reading. Uh, I would never read for fun, but only read it uh, when I had to. Um, so once I got to college, I started to read more for leisure. And as a part of the entrepreneurship program at John Carroll University, and they were piloting this program with Georgetown University, and it's called the Creators Institute. And what they do is they um, they help uh, students write books in areas of um, of areas of interest. So, like if you were really interested in healthcare and want or if you uh, wanted to go to grad school, you write you do research and write books on these topics to you know help give you more credibility to learn and potentially lead to speaking opportunities or things like that. So, I decided to do it. Um, it was me and one other student that final semester of my senior year who were piloting it. And so technically it is a self-publication. It is through Amazon, um, but it was really cool. It was a very structured program. And just like a lot of athletes, I do like structure too. So that was helpful. Um, they really mapped it out for us. However, everyone had a wide during wide range of topics. So you, you did have to go out and explore on your own. And it really did push me outside of my comfort zone. But ultimately the program was, a year long. So I started in January and in December, my book was published on Amazon. So it, it was pretty time consuming because I was doing it during my final uh, semester of school. I was playing softball. I was transitioning into a full-time job. Um, but like you can do anything you put your mind to. And that's a program I would really recommend if anyone is interested in researching something specific and, uh, you know, writing a book on it. So cool. And I don't want to obviously give away the book. I, I would love for people to buy it. And again, the name of the book is Own It, Navigating the College Athlete Experience to a Successful Career in Life. But if you could you know, maybe tell us a little bit about some of the more fun stories that you were able to write about or some of the more fun experiences of the writing process, like are there certain things that really stand out off the top of your head? Yeah, definitely. So there are a lot, honestly, and I did talk to a lot of different people. So the book ranges from coaches to athletic directors to uh, former student athletes uh, to Olympic hopefuls. And it is it is really cool. And I think one of my favorite um, people I interviewed, I enjoyed talking to all of them. And I think they each have a unique story. But one that really stuck with me, I interviewed Beth Brooke Marciniak, and she used to be an executive at 
Ernst and Young, but she was very pivotal uh, for female athletes, and she came in at a really awesome time. Uh, she was the first class. She played basketball at Purdue. Uh, she was the first class to um, of women to receive scholarship to receive athletic scholarship. So she really came in at an interesting time, and she knew she wasn't going to play, you know, in the WNBA. She knew that she uh, that wasn't for her. She had other aspirations. She was really passionate about accounting and some other things. And so her story really just outlines like what uh, uh, female athletes can do, like what you can do as a student athlete. Even though she was a collegiate athlete, she still took a summer internship in New York City, learned a lot about herself, and then was able to set herself up for graduation afterwards. And just thinking about the time when she came in and she played and how far she had come throughout her career and where she was able to work herself up to. Um, it's just a really powerful story that told just like female athletes, like you can, you can make it work. You can be an athlete and, you know, balance an internship and other things. And I thought that was just a really nice story to echo because she even played um, basketball at the division one level. Now, granted, you know, the time commitments might've been slightly different than, than they are now, but she also talked about how as in the role of as an, in, a, in the role as an executive, she would hire student athletes all day. So I just thought it came full circle for her. And that was one story that really resonated with me. Hey, everyone. Christine here from Sweat with Stods, one of this show's sponsors. The Dynamic Leaders podcast is here to help you be a better leader. And the best leaders take care of themselves both mentally and physically. I'm here to help on the physical side by making fitness accessible to everyone. As a certified personal trainer with years of experience coaching fitness classes, I've designed programs that can be followed at home and in the gym. These are intelligently structured programs, giving you a plan to follow to help you be successful. Build strength with my Get Strong at Home program, get quick results with Hit at Home 1 or 2, or work on your health outside of fitness with my Healthy Habits program. As a listener, you can get these programs at a discounted rate by entering code DYNAMIC at checkout. That's D-Y-N-A-M-I-C at checkout. So head on over to sweatwithstods.com, that's sweat with S-T-O-D-D-S.com to take the next step toward achieving your health and fitness goals today. I read that you were one of the number one new releases on Amazon when the book first came out. And I know a little bit about some of the marketing aspects that go into this process, but for, you know, I think a lot of us maybe struggle with being able to connect to our networks, our communities in, in a way that really gives us some positive momentum like that. Like, what did you do to ensure that whether, whether it was a goal or not, that you, that you ended up being number one on the new release list on Amazon? Like, what, what did you have to do in order to connect with people, to build relationships with people so that they were willing to, you know, write reviews, buy the book, you know, those type of things? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. I think the important thing uh, to note there is that I never thought it would be a new release because it is such a um, such a specific topic um, for a book. Um, it's not like it's just like a general self help book. Self help book. It's very narrowed, and so I didn't really expect that to happen. So that was pretty cool. But I think one thing that did help to generate word was. Uh, through the Creator Institute, the program I wrote the book through, we had to do a like a Kickstarter campaign. Oh, cool. um, so 
so it was all, uh, we had people who would, you know, buy a copy of the book and that would help go towards the publishing cost and things like that. So when that was going on, I think it was a 30 day campaign well, that was going on. I would like post on social media and that really, and there was a video of me talking about the book and different things like that. And I think that really did help to generate some awareness because it is hard to market yourself. Um, it is hard to talk about something you're doing and I still do struggle with it a little bit. I did. I do think that helped. And then I think the, you know, the people who didn't buy during the uh, Kickstarter campaign, cause it was a uh, slightly more um, expensive than the book was going to be on Amazon. I think uh, I captured those people in December when my book did hit Amazon and I was running a couple sales on it. I think the ebook was on sale for 99 cents in the paperback. Um, like $14 uh, or so. So I think I captured those people afterwards. But the period of time between June and December, I was uh, frequently posting about my book on Facebook, social media. I did have a little bit of help from John Carroll in the sense that they wrote like a little article about what I was doing and that helped to generate some interest too. So self-marketing is really tough. I think the Kickstarter helped and I think just being persistent because I was so passionate about it and I was so excited for it to come out. Like I just wanted to share it with everyone. So I was posting frequently. I think that's ultimately what led to it. But yeah, I didn't expect that at all from posting. I just thought, Oh, we'll get some sales here and there. I'll help some student athletes and it, it will all be good. <laughs> that's a really cool story. And I always love when, not that it just like popped out of thin air. Like obviously you just told us you did put in the work, but it wasn't like it was something that you were necessarily striving for and it, it happened. I think it, the recognition for that just probably makes it a whole lot cooler in that sense. Yeah, definitely. And I, I'm reading this book right now. It kind of talks about, it talks about the law of attraction and like when you aren't thinking about things, they happen. So that was, that wasn't even anything on my radar and it happened. So it's just something to keep in mind for the future, whether you're thinking about uh, jobs or anything like that too. Very cool. Very cool. So I will make sure I link that book to the show notes. And again, the title of the book, Own It, Navigating the College Athlete Experience to a Successful Career in Life by Jessica Cook. You will see that in the show notes. Check it out. It's amazing. So I want to, Jessica, now put you on the spot a little bit and talk about your transition from mm -hmm. college and athletics to what you're doing right now, which you talked about inside sales for the Pittsburgh Pirates of Major League Baseball. For those people who aren't aware, what has it been like for you to transition now that you're going through it? Yeah, so I think I, I have a little bit of like a different perspective on it because as I was transitioning, I was writing this book about transitioning into this to into this position, which is which is kind of funny. So while I was writing, I was keeping those things in mind for myself, you know, because it is a it is a tough transition. But I think as an athlete, you are equipped with the different tools um, to help make you successful and to help set you apart from maybe some of your coworkers or maybe some other uh, students you went to college with who didn't participate in a ton. Um, you know, your your boss technically acts to me like as your coach, like how it would be in a team setting. And I think when you come from a sports team, uh, you already have that team mindset. And in most of the time when you transition to a work setting, you are going to be working with the team, which is really good. But I think the most helpful thing that's been for me in my role of sales is, you know, from being an athlete, having a bit of a competitive, competitive edge and, you know, having the drive and 
having the will and the willpower to succeed and you want to see that. And I think as athletes, you know, when you hang it up after your senior your senior year, um, this is like your, your job is like your new sport and you kind of just adapt and you take those skills that you learned and apply them directly to your position regardless of what it is. I think there's a way you can translate it uh, in any job, uh, your skills as an athlete, to be completely honest with you, Colin. Uh, the transition for me, I'll tell you what some of the hardest parts were. Uh, the transition for me, I would say for the most part, was smooth. One thing that I've just had a, a difficult time with is uh, just sitting down all day. You know, as an athlete, we're <laughs> used to having practices. We're walking to class, uh, walking, you know, uh, to the bus to go, go over to a game or anything like that, or, you know, working out on your own. So just like the idle time for me was something that I had to adjust to. But I would say as far as my transitions goes from like a mentality standpoint and like a skill standpoint, I was definitely prepared from being a student athlete. I think it's so interesting that you're in an inside sales position for the pirates. And there's obviously a lot of selling that goes into that. And I just had a recent podcast conversation with Elise LaHue, who is the general manager for Sky Blue FC. And she talked about how important it was for her career as a general manager. She's been a general manager for five years with Chicago before she went to Sky Blue for I think she's on her second year now. So, you know, a good good chunk of time that she's been a general manager in the women's professional soccer league. And she talked about how important it was for her to get her first job was like ticket sales. I think it was with a baseball team. I think it was with the Cubs in in uh, right after college. And she said it was, you know, you're getting this rejection all the time, but you're also learning how to bounce back from that. And you're learning how to build relationships that could turn into from like somebody who's buying a single game ticket, then they become season ticket holders. Like, how do you get from that to that? And and you just learn all these different tricks. And I'd just be curious, you know, through your experience in inside sales, because I think it's a lot more important than, you know, sales gets a pretty bad reputation, I think. Um, but I would love to hear from your perspective, like your sales experience specifically, like what are some of the surprising aspects that you've learned that, you know, maybe you didn't necessarily consider or know before going into this job? Right. So prior to this job, I actually had no sales experience. My college, I didn't take any um, like sales classes to prep me. I know some universities do have uh, different sales and I know some actually have sports sales classes, which, which is pretty cool. Uh, so I had a lot of learning to do uh, when I got there. But I think the one thing I was most surprised about, because you're right, you know, salespeople tend, tend to have like a negative connotation. I think the one thing I was surprised about is actually how much of sales is relationship building and how uh, the people who ended up buying those season tickets off me, I have some of the best relationships with that I would have never, you know, thought sports tickets could bring. So, I mean, there's people I talk to on a weekly uh, basis, you know, who at this point in time with everything going on with coronavirus are just excited for the season to get started or are asking me how I'm doing adjusting working from home. And to be honest with you, I didn't know I was going to get that. So it's just, it's really cool um, to have those types of relationships. And also on my end, you know, like for instance, uh, the pirates came out with like a activity packet for children and they've been posting coloring pages. So to my clients who have children, I emailed those over to them, just something to do. And um, they appreciate it, but I just didn't realize how much the relationships are going to impact me and how uh, meaningful they were going to be. So now my sales strategy is 
really just building relationships and, you know, um, being as genuine as possible and, you know, kind of taking away those negative connotations from the salesperson. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a much more healthy approach to sales than what, probably what most people think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And the other thing to note, you know, just like, what was the girl you interviewed's name? Uh, Elise. Elise. Yeah, yeah, just like she mentioned, you know, I, you learn so much in inside sales, uh, just about the sports industry in general and about sales. I feel like, you know, regardless of where my career takes me, like this was a great foundation that I just worked on, uh, you know, for the past year. So I think sales is also great for athletes too. I know a lot of other sales managers say that because of the competitive, the competitive nature as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great recognition to have and good self-awareness to have at such a young age that's going to adequately prepare you for life after sports. So very cool. Very cool. Now, one of the big aspects of this podcast and of the company that I run is to talk about women and their place in athletics and how we're continuing to push that envelope and empower them more, give them more opportunities for leadership, influential positions. And from your perspective, like, is that something that you take into account as well? Like you want to be able to be a champion for women in, in sports and in athletics in general? And just, is there anything like in particular that you're super passionate about and want to try and push the envelope for? Yeah, definitely. So I think um, as far as women uh, leading in sports, I think we're getting so much better uh, than we were previously. Um, and I just noticed that, like, even from being in high school till now, just seeing the different positions. Dirt, while I was in high school, I had a female athletic director when I was in college. I, I went through two different athletic directors there, and both were female. So I, it was really cool for me to see how they lead and under their leadership. Uh, because when I was coming into college, I did think I wanted to pursue, you know, being an athletic director. And um, it didn't matter to me at the collegiate or high school level. I just knew I wanted to lead. And I think maybe my goals have changed slightly, but I still know that I want to lead. And I think right now there's a lot of cool um, organizations that women can be a part of. And I think there are more opportunities now uh, more than ever. So I think it's all just about like setting yourself up for those opportunities, becoming as knowledgeable as you can in those different areas. Because I do think you know, within the next, I do think within the next five years, honestly, the landscape is going to look uh, pretty different. Um, I, I can't remember exactly. I think in all the power conferences, there's only five female athletic directors. I think you're going to see a shift in that uh, too, because of the opportunities women are getting in sports and even in professional sports. Uh, I worked under um, two female uh, leaders who are great and really taught me a lot and showed me that you can get to this point. You know, it's not necessarily like a boys club, as some may think. <laughs> um, really, there are good opportunities for females. You just have to, you know, prepare yourself for them and seek them out. And I think it does also go back to relationship building as well. Colin. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I think that's so cool that you've had an experience where, because uh, I didn't have any female athletic directors and when it actually my school Penn State and I'm sure you're aware of this just being in the Pennsylvania area Sandy Barber is one of those women who is an athletic director but she wasn't around when I was in school so it's just been really cool to see that 
women are starting to get opportunities at like the, the really highest of the high levels. And even from your personal experience, like 10 years ago, that that's never going to happen. Like you're never going to have <laughs> three different athletic directors in your high school and collegiate experience and them all be female. So it means we're making progress and that's a good thing. Yeah. That's something, that's something that I found interesting now, like looking back on my time that I actually did have three, where as some athletes, like you mentioned, may never have one. So I think, that might be why I have a slightly different perspective on it than other people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jessica, I am going to link the book, but if people want to find you on social media, where can we do that? Yeah, so I am on Twitter and I am on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. I would say LinkedIn is the best platform to reach out to me on, but I will provide all my handles. So for Twitter, I am Jess Cook Author, J-E-S-S-C-O-O-K Author. On Instagram, I am jessicacook.ownit, the title of my book. So uh, J-E-S-S-I-C-A-C-O-O-K dot own it. And then uh, on LinkedIn, you just search Jessica Cook. My job title is with the Pirates. So it, it, that's what it'll pop up as. Very cool. I'll make sure I link to all that information as well for folks who are listening to this podcast. And just before I let you go, the show is called dynamic leaders. And we've talked a lot about leadership today. And you're obviously doing an amazing job of leading some of the next generation into the working field or wherever they're going in life after sport with your book. But I want to give you an opportunity. I like to give my guests opportunities to shout out someone in their own life who's influential, either from a leadership standpoint or just in general. Do you have somebody that you want to give a quick shout out to? Oh my goodness. Wow. So uh, <laughs> when I think of leaders, I really value um, servant leadership. Um, I think that's something great. My one manager at the Pirates, John Ketzlak, uh, he is an, a leader I look up to. I really enjoy his leadership style. He, he takes the time to get to know everyone on his team and he knows how each person responds differently. So like we talked about, like, you know, in a sales role, my big thing is building relationships. Whereas one of my coworkers, it might be, you know, something else, maybe they're really good at, you know, cranking out like over a hundred calls a day. So he knows different ways to motivate us. And I think that's something uh, that a dynamic and adaptive leader uh, does. And I think that's what helps to get people to follow. So cool. And such a great shout out to end this conversation. Jess, thank you so much for taking time to hop on the show today. I really wish you all the best with the book. It's super interesting and I encourage people to check it out, but thank you so much for popping on, telling your story and sharing your guidance with us all. Yeah. Thank you so much, Colin. I really appreciate you having me on and I love all the work that you're doing and I can't wait to see uh, where this ends up for you. 